today on It's Time. In the words of Bob Dylan back in the early 80s, he wrote a song called Gonna Serve Somebody. It might be the devil or it might be the Lord, but you're gonna serve somebody. I hear the calling, it's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going through the book of Exodus. So turn there in your Bible and follow along with Pastor Mike. Well, good morning, everybody. I pray that you brought your Bible. I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of Exodus 21. Now, today we're going to get in. We talked about God's righteous rules, law, if you will. Now we're going to talk about civil law, the way we treat each other and all these things. Now, somebody might say, but Mike, we're a New Testament church. Why do you even waste your time in the Old Testament? I've actually had people say that. Here is why. Because someday soon, sometime north of seven years, Jesus will set up his thousand-year reign here on this earth. Do you believe that when Jesus sets up his reign on this earth, it's going to be helter-skelter? Do whatever you want to do, man. Hey, it's groovy time. No, there's going to be rules, regulations, laws, just like it was. People have often said, why do I even need to read the Bible at all? I think that's a fair question. Because the Bible is how God will judge the world someday and how God will put his governance in during the millennial reign of Christ. In other words, the Bible says you are going to be executors of his righteous laws. Hey, everybody, we're God's cops in the days to come. Now, I know that might sound a little scary to you, but the Bible says we will rule and reign with him. What does somebody ruling and reigning do? They execute God's righteous laws on an unrighteous world. Now, we have to remember something. Even though man will live during this thousand-year reign of Christ— Governing over this world in a perfect environment, perfect government, perfect food, perfect everything, there's still one major flaw. And what is that? Man is unregenerated. Yes, the devil will be locked up for almost a thousand years. But I have found that man causes most of his own problems. Have you ever noticed that in your own life? Well, here's the problem with that. Because we do that, this is why Jesus said to a religious, high-ranking religious leader of the day, a guy named Nicodemus, you must be born again. There is something wrong with the nature of man that was inherited from Adam and Eve throughout all the centuries. Let's pray. Fathers, we go to your word today. We ask you that your Holy Spirit would now speak to us and open our eyes, our understandings, to see life like you do, not the way we do. 
And so, God, as we read these words today, may your Holy Spirit cause us to meditate upon these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Chapter 20 deals with God's divine law. Chapter 21 deals with God's divine ordinances. Now, there's a difference. Because one deals with our relationship with our fellow man. The other deals with our relationship with God. The first four with God. The last six with our fellow man. Chapter 21, though, deals with governmental uh, laws, okay? Now, people might, again, say, why do we read these things? There will be laws during the millennial reign of Jesus Christ in the days to come. When you realize that you, me, we are all going to be executors of his judgments on this earth, this is why I believe it's important to know that in the days to come, it isn't going to be, well, Jesus is reigning from Jerusalem, do your own thing. It's that we will be executors. We will be the cops. We will be the magistrates. We will be the judges in this world. Now, as we look at this, verse 1 of chapter 21 of Exodus, now these are the judgments or the ordinances which you shall set before them. If you buy a Hebrew servant, he shall serve six years, and in the seventh year, he shall go out free and pay nothing. Ah, see, the Bible is the Bible. This is where slavery in the world came from. Wrong. This is where freedom came from. Now, when we stop to think about it a minute, not everybody embellishes debt like we in America do. I think most of us are aware we're somewhere between 30 and 40 billion, a trillion dollars in debt, probably right around 33 trillion right now, and they want to add another. Now, you start, you start and, and debt, these numbers just become funny money. They just don't mean anything to us. But when you stop to think, America is more in debt than any other country in the history of the world. Debt never serves the person well. Now, the reason a person would have a slave... Now, let's read this again. If you buy a Hebrew servant... Whoa, stop right there. Why would you be buying a Hebrew servant? Well, there were several, several reasons why you would sell yourself. Number one, of course... Extreme poverty. You were so poor, there was nowhere else. You'd go down, auction yourself off. Maybe this master would treat me better than the way I've lived my life. Uh, I'll go to work for him. He'll feed me, etc. You would become a slave. So for six years, you would serve him. Another way was if you had a daughter... And there was a family, and you notice you had similar values. You could then sell your daughter to this family as a bride for their son. Now, we call it, in today's world, prearranged marriages. Now, people say, well, ooh, that would be awful. But I don't know, if you've got little kids, I've got little kids, you can almost begin to see the reason why you would want to have a prearranged marriage. Amen? 
I mean, when you look at the value system and some of the people's idea in homes across America, what they think normal is, I don't want to have anything to do with them. They think kids watching some of the movies, some of the blood and guts, all that stuff. That's, and they think, oh, that's fun. Oh, Johnny just loves to watch it. He just loves to see blood gushing out of people. Well, excuse me, I don't think I want my daughter to be anywhere within a thousand miles of your kid. There's a different value. See, God knew this. And the children of Israel, the Bible says, you are a peculiar people, God said to the Christians, but it was a carryover from the Old Testament, because they honored Yahweh, they honored God's way, and because they honored God's way, they did not have the way of the pagans. And so what you would do then is you would have friends, family, relatives, all these different things, and you would say, hey, you, you two have a, have a couple of kids, and you seem to be nice, I I don't see you out dancing around the satellite dishes, uh, chopping up chickens and howling under a full moon. I think I'd like to know you. And I, I think our kids ought to know your kids. And so, yeah, well, Johnny's a cute little boy. Susie's a cute little girl. Well, down the road, let's get married. And I'll tell you what, we'll sell her to you. And then when they come of age, they can get married. Prearranged marriages. They did that. And they still do that in some places around the world today. Now, he says, that's another way you could end up. Another way is if you had to file chapter 11 or chapter 13 in those days. You got yourself in so much debt, there was no remission of debt. In other words, you couldn't file chapter 11 or chapter 13. The only way you could get rid of your debt was to take yourself, go down in the town square, step up on the auction block, auction yourself off. The money then would then be given to your creditor, and for six years, you were to serve the person you sold your life to because of your bad business, bad debt habits. Another way you could become a slave is if you were a thief and you got caught and you had to pay restitution for what you sold, but the thief doesn't have any money. So then he would go up, stand on the auction block and be auctioned off. So there were several ways legitimately to end up in slavery in those days. Now, number one, it was a, ter a deterrent against laziness. It was a deterrent against theft. It was a deterrent against bad business investments. It was a deterrent. The idea is if I really mess up, Uncle Sam's not going to come to my rescue. I've got to auction myself off as a slave. And I'll tell you, people lived a lot more circumspectly then than they do today. So the way that you got out of debt is you put yourself on. Well, what are you putting up for collateral for this new car? Well, I'll put up my tractor in my boat. Okay. Well... If you didn't have a tractor, didn't have a boat, what are you putting up for collateral? I can only put up myself. When you couldn't pay, you were auctioned off. Verse 3, it gives the rules concerning this. Now, real quick, everyone, to, to retrospect or maybe fast forward, there will be rules during the millennial reign of Christ that Jesus Christ will hand down. I personally believe very possibly 
A lot of what you're reading right now may be the rule of law for the, the entire world as Jesus rules and reigns. You got to think about this for a minute. The Bible says God is eternal, he changes not. And there will be rules during the millennial reign of Christ. I don't know if these will be transposed into the future. I have an interesting suspicion that they probably in some way, in some part, will be. So I believe that's why they're relevant. But notice it says in verse 3, If he that sells himself comes in by himself, he shall go out by himself. This is in six years. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. So whatever condition you find yourself on the auction block, you return that way after six years. By the way, the six years was so you wouldn't be an enduring slave forever. Uh, This was one of the limitations, God's mercy, that yeah, you did some dumb stuff, you know, it's the, you know, you look today, people go to prison. They're in, a, they're in a concrete box with bars. They're not contributing anything to society. They're just in a box. Wouldn't it have been better that they could have maybe went out and done something with their life for those six years rather than sitting in a box rotting away? You see, this was God's, not only law, but God's judgment system as well, which makes, honestly, a lot more sense than our judgment system today. Amen. Doesn't make sense. Now notice, if you come in married, you leave married. Now on the other hand, if his master has given him a wife, and she has borne him sons and daughters, the wife and the children that she by her master, and he shall go out by himself. So if the master gave him a wife, hey, you're a pretty good servant. Here, you know, have my daughter, have one of my servants. Your six years is up. You still leave by yourself. If you came in with nothing, you leave with nothing. Your debt was paid. I bought you. That money that I paid for you went to your creditor. Now six years is up. Start over again. But if the servant plainly says, I love my master, my wife and my children, I will will not go free. Then his master shall bring him to the judges. He shall also bring him to the door or to the doorpost and his master shall pierce his ear with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. Wow. So the guy goes, okay, six years is up. It's time for you to go. He goes, but you know, you've been good to me. I have a house. I have a family. I got kids. I don't want to go. If you keep treating me the way you've treated me, hey, I'll stay here forever. So they they take him down to the judges. The judges would write it. He would go and stand in the doorway, and they would pull his ear over, and they would take a spike or a nail or an awl and punch a hole in his ears, and then they would put a ring in his ear so everybody that would ever see him would know that I'm a slave by choice. 
Now, what is interesting, the Bible tells us concerning Jesus in Psalms 40, verse 6, sacrifice I've not required, offerings I've not required, you have opened my ear. Jesus became our slave in that he died for us in our place and remains so forever by the piercings in his body. Now you start thinking about this for a minute. Paul the apostle says, I am a bond slave of Jesus Christ. I am a slave by choice. I am not a slave because I was hijacked or I was, I was uh, abducted. I am a slave because I know that this is what I need to do. I'm treated well here, and I'm staying right here. It's interesting that Paul says, I bear in my body the marks of an apostle. Why does he say that? Because it proved what he was. And when we realize that again, Not only did Jesus become our slave, died in our place, but now as love for him, I turn around and say, okay, God, whatever time I've got left on this earth, I am now your slave by choice. And let it be known before all the judges of the land, before all of heaven, this is the decision that I've made. I'm going to serve you forever. That's what being a Christian is, friends. That's where we say, okay, I realize my life is leaving me. It it is, whether you're 30 or 60 or whatever, you realize your life is leaving you. And if you don't know that, when you get up in the morning and you ache everywhere, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) It didn't hurt yesterday. You know, the old thing, it hurts when I do this. Well, then don't do that. Well, the thing is, it hurts everywhere. I remember the story I heard one time about the guy that goes to the doctor. He goes in and he points to the doctor and he says, I got a spot this big on my leg. Six by about four inches on my leg. He goes, I want you to make the rest of me feel like that because that's the only place that doesn't hurt. Well, again, you don't have to be old to experience pain. You read about some of these football players and hockey players and these extreme sports and some of the things you see on TV where they they treat their body like a rag doll. And as they start getting a little older, the arthritis begins to set into those joints and those areas where they were injured. And so at 35 years old, that person could be as crippled up as somebody 80. You don't have to be old to realize we need to be bonded to something. And I pray today you understand that when we cry, Abba, Father, we cry, Daddy, I am a child of God by choice, but I'm sealed in front of the judges. And that's what you are today, too, if you're a Christian. Isn't that good to know that you belong? Now, here's something else. In the words of Bob Dylan, back in the early 80s, he came out with an album when he got saved at Ken Gullican's church, up in North Hollywood. And I don't know where he's at today with the Lord, but I know at one time he was pretty on fire. I know a lot of Christians did a lot of goofy things to him because he was saved a week. And Bob Dylan preaches a sermon. You know, Bob Dylan was just, you know, just accepted the Lord. 
But he wrote a song called, Gonna Serve Somebody. It might be the devil or it might be the Lord, but you're gonna serve somebody. Well, it's true. Everybody serves somebody. People say, well, I'm my own man. No, you're really not. It's like saying, I own my property. I went down and I paid it off. Let me tell you something. You don't pay your taxes on that house, that piece of property. I guarantee you won't own it very long. Everybody serves somebody. I think we oftentimes have to consider who we serve. Again, I'm treated well here. The servant said, I want to stay here. So by choice, he became a bondservant forever. The ring in the ear was that to let people know that he wasn't a slave by force, but he was a slave by choice. So he goes on and he says, and if a man sells his daughter to, a, to be a maidservant, she shall not go out as the manservants do. If she does not please her master, who is betrothed to her to himself, then he shall let her be redeemed. He shall also have no right to sell her to a foreign people since he has dealt deceitfully with her. What you see here is when you sell yourself as a slave or somebody, as an example, as a parent is involved in a betrothed wedding, there were laws to protect that person. It isn't, oh, this is my slave now and I can do whatever I want to with them. It's very clear that in that six-year period of time, they were extremely regulated what they could do. Now, when you start, as we read on here, you're going to begin to see a lot more of the mindset of God's viewpoint of justice. We all in our country today have a very skewed view of justice in our, in our society. We see people who are mass murderers that are let off on some kind of a technicality. We see people that perhaps committed a very small crime or a crime that was made up that really wasn't a crime due time. We see a lot of injustices in our, so to speak, justice system. These things that we're reading here is God's justice system and to begin to get the viewpoint of God. Now, as we'll read on here in just a little bit, the murders defile the land. And what does that mean exactly? There's a lot of defilement that goes on when murder takes place. First of all, you've robbed an individual of their life. Second of all, you've approved of it in cultural society. Chicago right now is the murder capital of the world. More people are slaughtered every weekend in that one city than many states combined. The land is defiled. And when land is defiled, what comes out is always going to be a corrupt view of what righteousness is. So as we look at this here, he's talking about that if he's his daughter's betrothed and he treats her poorly, then she can go. And if she does not please her master, who is betrothed her to himself, 
He shall, he shall let uh, her be redeemed. He shall have no right to sell her to a foreign people since he's dealt deceitfully with her. And he has betrothed her to his son. He shall deal with her accordingly to the custom of daughters. If he takes another wife, he has not diminished her food or clothing or her marriage rights. And if he does not do these things, these th- the, do these three for her, then she shall go free without paying money. In other words, he does, she doesn't have to put up a, 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 the, the money that originally was paid. If the guy flakes out, you're free to go. That's what he's saying. Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.